dude, thank you so much for picking me up this morning. Of my, course. My chauffeur, my Uber, and not because I was drunk, but I knew in the heat of the moment, I woke up this morning and the bride, you know, you know, my bride, I do. I Robin, do. right. I wake up this morning. She says, honey, I need a vehicle. Do you know what happened yesterday? Like the entire Evans family yesterday. Do you, you, I mean, I know the, the overall, so I don't know the details. Or so anything, first but. Robin calls me yesterday. Oh my God, my car vehicle is falling apart. That's sure. She always takes the extreme, right? Sure. Except with the rat. I will tell the rat story next week. So <laughs> write that down. Right. Rat next story. week, I'm going to tell you seven days from now, I am going to tell you a story about a rat that could probably be a lifetime movie. Mm. But for today, my bride calls me. My car is falling apart. Oh, my God. Sounds horrible. So I say, okay, let's just take it over to the shop. Drop it off. Sure. I'll pick you up. She says, no, I'll have a daughter come and pick me up, which is great for me. Uh, kudos to the children actually earning a living here, sure. helping out in the home. Imagine that, right? Imagine that a child I have birthed, I didn't mm. birth it. I was there. You had so a hand I, in it. Well, no, I was sick the whole time and passed out. <laughs> right. But I was there mentally and spiritually. So daughter uh, number three, that's Lucy, a.k.a. Victoria Kate, a.k.a. VK, a.k.a. Luce, the Luce, and $10, if you can tell me right now across the table, a $10 Venmo to you, if you can tell me what our granddaughter calls Lucy. So her name, she has a name for every aunt but what does she call Lucy? You know what? I don't think I know that at all. She actually Lulu. Will, that's close because that is another name, Lulu. Okay, that's what. But I was uh, Johnny Love calls her aunt Lucy Auntie Doodoo, and made a nice little okay. bracelet, and it says Doodoo on it. And we're all love it. Like nobody cares. She's we, obligated to wear that. She's too, obligated. By the way. Yeah, because and I will say I think the grandbaby that Auntie Doodoo is the favorite. Right. Because she, Johnny Love gives the hand to everybody like, no, don't you dare touch me. She's done that to me. But, and me yeah. and everybody, even Jesus. Right. Hey, Johnny, want Jesus hand? No, no Jesus, yeah. here's the hand, yeah. but not Auntie Doodoo. So Auntie Doodoo picks up Robin right. and they're going home, which is great for me. And then bam, somebody rear ends her driving down the road. No, not at a stoplight, just driving. Right. The guy doesn't see her and plows into her so hard, hits her once, hits her twice and just destroys the back end of the car. Wow. Wife is okay. Praise God. Uh, Auntie Doodoo is okay. Both are good, but the car ain't right. So this morning bride's cars in the shop, Auntie Doodoo's car is behind McDonald's. Right, sure. And uh, in the crunch of a moment, honey, and you know when she starts that way. You're in trouble. You're in, either you're in trouble right. or she wants something desperately. So I, as a husband would do, sure. uh, my ears perked up like, uh-oh, I don't want to flunk. Mm. Honey, I need a vehicle. Well, I should have said, well, God gave you some feet, <laughs> right? but that won't work. Yeah, that's exactly what you should have said. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah that, that wouldn't work. I tried that, but right. it doesn't work. So I did the humble, yes, my love. Right, of course. Queen of my heart. Sure, sure. And... Uh, and, and then in the crunch, I called you. Who could I call in the moment? Because you, you know, and there's two or three I could have called. Sure. But I went straight for you because you live a mile away. 
Sure. And you, man, you didn't even bat an eye. You were like, I got you. I'm just here to be a blessing. And you were. You picked That's me up. We did the dirty deed. The sure. wrecker came and we. you drove me to the body shop. And, Easy peasy. And now here we are. Yeah, here we are. So thanks sure. for all that. I will keep everybody updated if you're listening to this. Now it's all the, gosh, you know, rental cars. And now who's at fault? Right. And I'm like, who's at fault? The guy plowed us He's over. At fault. Well, yeah, but nope. You got to go have police reports, and everybody's got to fight over have their who's due diligence. Fault. There's money involved. So. Yeah, so so nevertheless, thanks for toting me around all day today. You are welcome. I appreciate it. Last week, dude, it was great. Yes, got a lot of people hit me up last week that they loved the whole podcast about regret. It's going great. Yeah, I loved it. So what do you have for this podcast, podcast number three, my best friend today, today, Phil Anderson, uh, Phil Anderson, hanging out with me across the table. Give me something that's burning in your heart and let's chat about it today. Well, Drop some wisdom to help some folk. Yeah. I'd like to ask you a question. We talked last week. It was so good, man. Like you said, I, I had people texting me and messaging me about regret and just the podcast and some of the wisdom that you dropped on how to handle the sour moment and thinking eternal uh, and different points that you had said last week. So it got me thinking, I told you my, one of my regrets uh, last week. So I would like to throw that back on you and ask you out of curiosity, what is one of your regrets? Oh, curiosity. Wow. Thank you so much. Let's see. Regret. All right. I'm going to go deep here. All right. So way, way back. I was in high school. My dad had started a church. I was hanging out with some wrong folks. And then I turned my life around like I want to serve Jesus. I'm going to do this thing right. So I ended up uh, dating a girl in high school my senior year. She was younger than me. I think she was a freshman or sophomore at that time. And she went to the church with me. Her name was Monica. And so Monica and I, I guess you could say sort of high school sweetheart. I'm in high school. She's in high school. I graduate high school. And it's you'd have to hear the whole thing for me to say how this is going to turn to a regret. But uh, we, Monica and I, were not making godly choices. You clear on that? I'm clear. So we were not making godly choices and I would live half of just feeling terrible about what we would do sexually, you know, sure. uh, definitely not trying to live pure, but then at the same time, love Jesus kind of thing. And we got married super young because like I said, she was a high school sweetheart. And I remember on the honeymoon, I was out on the balcony and she walked out on the balcony and I had a tear in my eye and she said, what's wrong? And I knew what was wrong, right? I knew I felt like I made a decision really hastily because rather than saying, hey, we're not living right. Let's think about this. Let's think about our future. Let's let's look further than the moment, right? right. You're 19. Who looks further than the moment at 19? Sure. So we just, she and I just dove in quickly and got married quickly. And I just said nothing. I said nothing's bothering me because one of the regrets, I said that I got married young. That's the regret. I got married Here's the regret, not that it was Monica, but that it was 
It was that I made a huge lifelong choice without thinking about the future. Sure. I just dove in with, you know, we're going to get married. And I remember being on that balcony. I was overlooking the Savannah River on Bay Street. And she asked me that question. And in my mind, I had the thought of, I didn't really think this through. We got married rashly. We were having sex. Hey, what better thing to fix it if you're a Christian, right? Rather than saying, well, why don't you just stop? It was like, hey, let's just get married. Right, and sure. then we won't be in sin. Right. Like never even thought past the week of that until the moment I'm married. And I'm thinking, I'm 19. I'm married. Oh, my God. What? I don't even know what I want to do with my life. I don't, I don't even know what my life plan looks like. Sure. I, I felt like in that moment I was just winging it, but I didn't say that who, uh, because I felt I did love her, right? Like we were high school sweethearts. Sure. And I knew at that moment, I'm going to make the best of this. Like, and that's the way I was raised. I, I was raised in a family where Mark, you can't be a victim of your choices. And this is why, because God is always working. Do you believe that? I do. Yeah. That God is always working. Even in the things where you have regret, God is always working. So sitting on that balcony that day with Monica, I mentally in my mind said, it's okay. God's on our team. God's on my side. God's on Monica's side. We did in the moment the best a 19-year-old could decide. And and by God, let's make the best of it. That's my thinking. Well, well, I'm not going to sit around and be a victim here. I'm going to be at at 19. Think about that. At 19, I'm going to be the best husband I could be, which was basically, uh, what do you want to do? Right? Right, Like that's, right? Like, uh, do you, you want to go get some pizza? (laughs) Like that's the, that's the extent of my mental maturity, you know, but I was going to make the best of it because I genuinely believed even if you made it decision that you quote regretted or you did something hasty in the moment if you lived like a victim and you you lived in a pouty poor pitiful me then according to the way I was raised you were making a statement that God could not redeem it that God could not make the best of things if you would give God time so I went for it. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to pout and be a jerk and, and act like, uh, I shouldn't have done this. Like, no, God's in it. Even though I may have rashly made the decision and I had no clue what my life would look like in the future. I'm, I'm going to make the best of it because here's the scripture of God's for me. Right. Of course, who could be against me? And so I did that and we were strolling along. Well, you know, the story four and a half years in, I get a telephone call. Maybe I'll talk about that one day, a telephone call that she had been in a car accident. And the end of the story is Monica was hit by a drunk driver and killed instantly. And, uh, here I was in my early twenties with, with some hard choices and decisions of what the future would look like. And again, in the middle of that hell, in the middle of, because now you better believe regrets start piling on. Yeah, of course. Right? She's dead. I'm looking at her body there in the, in the hospital and 
the regrets piled up. You should have kissed her today. You should, you know, everything. You should have spent more time with her. You shouldn't have went to play basketball because that was sure. me, right? Come home. Hey, honey, I'm going to go with the guys, going to play basketball. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go run. I'm going to go to this. I'm going to go lift weights, you know, and because I'm 19. And so a lot of my marriage to Monica was a, probably a selfish 19, 20, 21 year old, just eating pizza, going to the gym and going to school. She worked a job full time while I'm in school. And I had a, a load of regret at that moment. Like, oh my God, I was a jerk. I can't apologize. Can you imagine that thought? Yeah, like sure. you can't go apologize now. You can't tell her you're sorry for being a jerk. And you spent too much time playing basketball with the guys and you spent too much time at the gym and you should have said goodbye that morning oh you should have kissed her goodbye that morning that was the last kiss goodbye oh my god our last argument did I tell her I was sorry did I did I apologize oh Jesus she's she's in eternity now what does she think about me sure so I want to read a text message I got last week that I think defines it the way I was raised by a family, but not really thinking about it at that time. But he texted me something. I'm going to read it. Yeah. Um, and because it so touched me when he sent it to me, because I was like, gosh, that's the way I was raised. And it also made me want to, um, to really say, hey, could we talk about this even further? And dig this out later. So I'm glad you asked me that question today. So here's what he sent me last week. I love it. He said, Mark, here's my response. He had listened to the podcast. Okay. He said, here's my response to the term regret in the life of a Jesus follower. I know I'm parsing words here, he says, but you know me, words matter to me. Listen, now this is profound. I believe the term regret is a form of allowing would have, should have, and could have into our thinking. The next step from that often is to allow some form of victimhood in our thinking. It blames outside or blurries outside thinking or circumstance or often people. It blames them. It seems to me that, in quotations, regretting a decision after you make it, listen, minimizes the ability of God to use those times of hasty momentary judgment, often stupidity, or sometimes even ignorance for his glory in our lives. That's so good. Yeah, isn't that good? I'm going to read that one more time because that is, it is so good. Listen to what he says. He said, the next step when you allow this type of thinking, regret to be, God, I should have, would have, could have. He says this, it allows a form of victimhood in our thinking. It blames outside thinking or circumstance or often people. It seems to me that regretting, in quotations, a decision after you make it, listen, minimizes the ability of God to use those times of hasty momentary judgment, often stupidity, or sometime ignorance for his glory in our life. And then he says this, I love this. If you're listening, pull over, write this down. He says, I like the words remorse 
Understanding the consequences of our actions are at a new level or even the word sorrow. Understanding the relationships are altered and often broken. Instead, to have a perspective and focus to allow often hard-earned lessons that can become wisdom and an increased empathy to be the outcome, to learn from those events and grow into the new reality we find ourselves in, to realize and understand at a new level of God's grace and often mercy that has been and is being expressed to us. Wow. That's awesome. It goes on, but that, that to me... At 19 years old, oh man, if I would have had that in a text message back then, great. because sitting on that balcony, I just had the thought of, well, I made a choice. I can't go back and unmake it because I'm not going to get a divorce. I made it. I love what he said. Hasty, maybe even stupid at times, maybe even out of ignorance, maybe just emotionalism. But at the end of the day, don't become a victim, which is what I did at 19. I'm going to make the best of it. Believe that God is working for you and that God is going to make all things work together for your good. Man, when he sent me that text, I had a flood of memories in my life of where I would call regret, but do you know at every every significant place that I could say I had a regret, I would always go, but wait a minute, it's not a regret anymore because God, it yeah. always had, wait a minute, that was a hasty decision, but God, wait a minute, that, that was stupid in the moment, but God, I love what he said, we should grow from it. Right. We should mature from the stupidity. We, but if we've made it, we should be able to say God is working. And I think that becomes the challenge because we live in a culture that is a victimhood culture. It's somebody else's fault, somebody else's problem, somebody else's issue, poor pitiful me, And I believe that a Christian, a follower of Jesus, should say, wait a minute, I'm not a victim. God can get me through this season. Sure. So if you're listening today and you're in a remorseful, sorrowful, regretful position going, oh, God, I've done something stupid. Maybe it's money. Maybe you're in debt. Maybe you sold your house too quickly. Maybe you think you've married too quickly. Maybe you had an abortion and you're like, I can't go get that back. I've I've screwed my life over. Maybe you're young and I I don't know many people who think this way anymore, but you lost your virginity and you're like, oh, well, I got, you know, to maybe you sold your best years to somebody you thought was the love of your life and it ended tragically, whether a, an accident, or they left you for somebody else. Maybe you're in the middle of a divorce going, why did I waste my years with this person? Why did I give my best years only to have my marriage in? We could go on and on and on about regret, but I want to leave you with this. And I'm going to ask you a question, Phil. You cannot, if you're a follower of Jesus, get yourself backed into a corner that you're screwed up and you're you're at a place of, uh, you know, nothing can change. No, everything can change. God can work for you. God is working for you if you walk with him. So here's my question to okay. you. Last week, you said, yes, I had a regret. I got off that bus. My feet hit the yellow footprints and it's like, oh my God, right. I'm in the Marine Corps, right? But look. Looking back, 
tell me how you saw God work your life, even though you did something foolish, hasty, and in the moment, hey, I'm going to just go be a Marine. But at the same time, I've known you a long time. Even though that was a hasty, fleshly decision, tell me how you see God working that out to your good. Yeah, there's a, and I'm, whoever texts you that, it's so good and brilliant. One of the things um, that got me through that, I, and I, I think, you know, hindsight's obviously 2020, but there's, I look back over my life and I can see that every step that I've made, everything that I've done, there's been a purpose to it. God's hand's been on it, even when I haven't seen it in the moment. And there's a verse in Proverbs that, that has, uh, makes sense to me. It says, man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. And I I kind of laugh at that because I feel like that's us making our plans and God looking down on us and saying, well, bless his heart, but he's going this way. Uh, and so I, I think the Marine Corps and, and not finishing up school, man, at the time was just a, uh, I look back on it now and I'm, and I see the hand of God at work in my life. There are things that happen on to me later in life that if I had not gone through the Marine Corps, I wouldn't have been able to handle. I, I got a different degree from a theological seminary that was even better than the one I, I think that I was going to get that probably wouldn't have done me any good anyway. But I, I can see that there's a constant hand of God. And I've always gone back to that scripture in Proverbs that uh, I may make my plans, but God is directing my steps every way. And at oh, 47 on, years old, I can look back in my life and I see that. Uh, I even tell my kids, you know, I, you've never, uh, I, I, you've never been my age, but I've been your age. And I can tell you that God's hand, even though you may, uh, have regrets or remorse or whatever it is, I'm telling you, God's hand is at work in your life. Uh, that song that says uh, it, he's still working, even when I don't see it, you're moving, even when I don't know what you're, you're working. I have my testimony is you found that stop, to be true. You never stop working. That's, it. that's, the, that's the song. I, I'm going to ask Michael if I can lead worship. Please. Do. That was on key. Yeah, that was good too. No, dude, that is so good because I, I've known you a long time and we often laugh about you being a Marine. Sure. But for such a time as this, right? Because what you learned in the Marine Corps, even though on a fleshly rash decision, shaped the kind of man you are today. Oh, definitely. Right? How you work with people, how you can push a project through, how you're a all the way to the end kind of guy, like you're not throwing in the towel, you know? So it, at, at the age you went in, God is even taking this moment, shaping how you think. And now here you are leading God's house sure. and working his kingdom. I can only imagine that things you learned in the military about authority and kingdom and, you know, of the Marine Corps it transfers over to it's very similar in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah. yeah sure. So I want to throw this to you on my arm. I have a tattoo and it is a bird, a robin bird with my wife's name hidden in the wing, Robin. And it's carrying a broken timepiece in its talons. And that came out of a time in my life in 2010 when life was good. I had some dear friends. I was, Robin and I were pastoring a, a, two churches at that time. And I guess as far as life was go, would would say and judge I was successful in life uh, wonderful friends wonderful family and ministry was very successful and in a moment of stupidity and you know my story I won't belabor sure. it here but just uh, 42 days of my life from October 2010 to December 31st warfare mental f spiritual emotional just falling apart and did fall apart 
and ended up, uh, I would say, rock bottom, uh, living on food stamps within four months. Both churches gone. I'm not leading them anymore. Uh, Wife upset, children angry, lost some dear friends through the battle. Uh, People that I thought, you know, I would do life with forever, which you you just kind of chalk up as well. Those are the prices we pay for stupidity, right? Sure. Sometimes you can do foolish things and use like Esau's birthright. You never get things back. But rather than becoming the victim, and I just decided, well, you know what? I'm going to keep pressing into God. It wasn't easy. I had a moment of I, what's the use? You know, why would I keep doing this thing? I even I'll share the story maybe in another podcast in the weeks ahead, but you know, just a, a riddled with regret shoulda, coulda, woulda what he said in his text. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm never going to lead in church again because of that. Uh, who would follow a failure? That was my thinking who would follow a failure. But here I am, uh, 13 years later and, and on my arm sits a tattoo carrying a timepiece and the hands of the timepiece are on the number three and the number 11 because God gave me a verse in that time, Ecclesiastes 3.11, that states God makes all things beautiful in his time. And above the bird that's flying through the air is the phrase, all things beautiful. And it, I do live that now. That's my mantra of life. It's not just my favorite scripture verse. It is, it is my DNA of what I go back to 19, and I didn't know that scripture in Ecclesiastes then. Uh, what I do know now is that that Ecclesiastes verse was working even on that balcony, that if you give God time and you stick it out and you don't throw in the towel and you don't become bitter and you don't become a victim and you don't blame other people and you don't just walk off and go, it is what it is. It will never change. It is what it is, uh, which I hate that mantra because it's never, it is what it is with God. It can always be what it can be with God. It can be a beautiful thing. So above that flying bird carrying a broken timepiece, it it reminds Reminds me daily, do not ever give up, Mark. Do not ever walk away from God's promises. Do not ever become the uh, consequence of your stupidity or foolish decision. Don't ever become the, the, uh, you know, the result of that where you are a victim and it'll never change. And again, a phrase I hate, it is what it is. Because the moment you say it is what it is, you have demeaned God from a throne of authority and a creator, and you've put God below you as nothing more than a mere slave to you because it's never it is what it is. Right. It always can be everything God has designed you to be. And I know this about God. When he says, I knew you in your mother's womb, I've got plans for you, all the verses we can talk about. You better believe that God knows you're going to blow it. He knows every choice you'll make, good or bad. And if you'll just, I love your verse, if you'll just walk with him, he'll order your steps. So let me leave you with this for this week. Okay. You may be in the middle of a mess right now. You might be in the middle of a regret. I don't even care what you call it. You can term it regret or whatever, but you're in the middle of coulda, shoulda, woulda, and why didn't I? 
and it is what it is and I'm just going to deal with it and I'm just going to do all my energy to make the best of this mess that's been created and I want to tell you today wherever you're listening that's a lie it's not coulda shoulda woulda it is what it is suck it up put your big girl pants and big boy pants on and realize if you're a follower of Jesus Christ there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper and he will work all things together for your good and he can make all things beautiful in his time and even though your plans were stupid perhaps and you have some regret guess what what Phil gave you in that scripture is that if you will just let the Lord order the next step and then the next step and then the next step you'll be 20 years down the road with zero regret you'll look back and go oh my gosh I see all these fleshly choices I've made these rash decisions I made but all along the way I kept pressing into God I kept trusting he could lead me and you'll find success and you will be able to say let me tell you about rather than my stupidity let me tell you about God's testimony rather than my victimhood let me tell you about his victory rather than my pouting let me tell you about his promises rather than my brokenness let me tell you about his beauty right I could go on and on sure we have to stay in the game we have to believe as Jesus followers that no regret can stop what God wants to do in your life no foolish choice if you will stay with him if you will every step along the way God I want to do your will I want to stay in the game if you make a foolish choice repent and keep your feet moving with Jesus if you make a hasty decision I love what he said in that text learn from it grow from it don't keep repeating the behavior over and over and over the foolish choice is an opportunity to learn and let God move you to the next level of life the regretful decision is an opportunity to learn find a little grace and mercy change some behavior if need be but believe that God is working for you if you will do that you will be able to say like Ecclesiastes God makes all things beautiful if you'll just give him time you have to give him time don't throw in the towel today don't let that decision cause you to give up don't let the tears in your heart stop the testimony of your future let God redeem it let him redeem the mess let him help you see the beauty you keep running for Jesus you stay in the game you look in the mirror and say no I'm not a loser I'm not a failure I'm not some broken piece of mess here I'm a son and daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ I'm coming out of this thing hey you can even you it may even sound prideful look in the mirror hey I'm going to be victorious I'm coming out just wait watch what God will do and I'm telling you down the road you will look back you'll have a great wonderful testimony to tell your children to tell your grandchildren so in the middle of your brokenness today your hurt pain today put a smile on your face because Jesus is working for you and if God be for you who can be against you the Holy Spirit is there to guide your ways simply stop today and ask him Holy Spirit, lead me today. Guide me today. Let my steps be your steps. Phil and I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. We'll see you next week.